Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. And I am Chuck Bryant. Hey, Chuck. How's that? It was good. Good. Yeah. I'm working on my radio thing. I like it. Your voice is smooth as silk. Is it good? Yeah, yeah it's nice. Smooth as spider, smil- spider silk spun from goat's milk. Not their anus. How's that? Right. So, um, as you know, I am a huge fan of Dr. Werner Habermel. I did know that. Did you? Yeah, but I don't think any anyone else did. Wow. I had never told anybody that before. Is it that obvious? I just had a sense. Your it's t-shirt. It's my t-shirt, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know who Dr. Habermel is, he is a sex researcher at the University of Hamburg in Germany. Hello, Germany. Uh, and um, Dr. Habermel uh, did a study that I read about recently on uh, the Daily Mail. So basically, I'm just letting it all hang out here. Right. I, I follow the careers of uh, clinical sex researchers, <laughs> and I read the Daily Mail. Yeah. Um, but there, there was a study he he did that I ran across um, where he compared the sex lives of redheads with the sex lives of brunettes and blondes, and he found, just statistically speaking, he he didn't really, actually, sadly, he did pose uh, a, an idea of why. This right. is the case. We'll get to that in a second. But he, he found that redheads um, have a uh, a noticeably act, much more active sex life right. than any other people with any other hair color. Interesting. And the thing that, that kind of got me was that um, the same goes for people who dye their hair red. Really? And, and get this, uh, the... the Esteemed doctor said that women who are in a committed relationship uh-huh. and dye their hair red, right? That that is a really big red flag to the guy. Oh, that they may be stepping out. They're looking, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Emily ever done that? Uh, yeah. She 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 went red a little for for a time. Yeah. Uh, wait, <laughs> when was this? Uh, I think it was before we were married. Yeah. Okay. All right. This it all makes you... sense now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, I knew my kid looked like the mailman. Right. Yeah. So um, th- this is... What, 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 where are you getting at here? Well, here, are you ready? Yeah. So so the doctor um, basically says, well, redheads have a fiery temperament and, and they, sure. they're very passionate, which is just so... Uh, Cliché. It is. And it's not necessarily true. And I, the more I looked into it, the more I realized that redheads are among the most maligned and stereotyped... Right, uh, people of uh, any hair color, redheaded stepchild, even step worse child. than blondes. The phrase "redheaded stepchild," redheaded stepchild. Sure. Um, did you know also uh, that there was a, uh, a there actually twice? There's been this this big uh, news cycle about redheads going extinct. Yeah, I've heard about that. 2005 and 2007. Yeah, which is not true. No, we just should say that right away. No, there was one in 2007. That's the most recent one that that said that um, the Oxford Hair Institute, right. which sounds so official, yeah, yeah it does. Um, it said that that redheads will be extinct by 2060. Right, because of the recessive gene that carries red hair. In theory, that could, they could die out. You want to get into genetics, do you? Uh, I'd prefer not to, but I think we have to. Let's do it. Okay. All right, let's just give a brief overview. Redheads are um, 
that's a phenotype. Right. It's a it's a physical trait. You can see it. You can you can sense it. Um, their their genotype, the genetic trait that that makes them redheads, is this. Uh, it's a recessive gene. Right. It's a mutation in the MC1R gene. Yes, and that is the melanocortin one receptor gene. Right. Okay. So the MCR1 gene is responsible for uh, certain pigment productions. Right. And redheads actually uh, overproduce a red pigment called pheomelanin, mm-hmm. and that which gives them their red hair. And they underproduce eumelanin, EU melanin, right? Uh, which uh, gives them a pale skin. It's a right. darker Fair brown. Skin. It's a, it's a brown pigment, right? Right. Which is underproduced. And it's actually a genetic mutation. It is. Did you know that? I did. Okay, so it, it, like you said, it's also receptive, re- uh, recessive. Right, which means it can skip generations and uh, then reappear, you know, much later. Yeah, you or I could actually have a uh, mutated MCR1 gene. Right. And, and Although neither one of us has red hair. True. We'll never know until we have kids with red hair. Right. If either one of us comes up with a kid with red hair, it means that you and your wife both had this recessive gene. It got together. Right. And the kid had to have this mutated gene. Right. Because of the, the chromosomal contributions by the parents. Right. Or right? it means infidelity. Again, yeah, back to it, that. it depends. You know, I mean, it could have, it could have been. It depends on what Emily did back when she dyed her hair red. Right, right. Although you probably know by now, right? If she had a child, yeah, yeah, I've been around the whole time. Okay, good. All right, so, um, so they are not becoming extinct. Not no, true. No, they could though. It would take something on the order of an evolutionary bottleneck, right? Which, as we all know, um, would basically make. All of us mouth breathers, right? Like because of Sutherland. all the rampant familial inbreeding that would, it would take to, you know, expand the genetic pool again. Sure, it's entirely possible if everybody who had the recessive um, gene, the MCR1 mm-hmm. mutation, yeah, um, if all of them died out, right. well, there goes redheads. Yeah, technically, that's the case with everything. Exactly. Now there, there, there may be a higher likelihood in an evolutionary bottleneck, or it might take a. a less of an ev- evolutionary bottleneck for redheads to die out because they are, it is rare. Right. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be around beyond 2060. Yeah. I know quite a few redheads myself. So I know virtually none. I'm, I'm actually trying to think right here. I, I can't come up with a single redhead. Yeah. I know a couple. Actually, we don't have anyone on staff either, do we? This is going to drive me crazy. Oh, well, of course. Candace, our old, uh, Candace, yes. our old partner. How can we, how can we forget Candace? How? I don't know. That's She's really the reddest weird. of heads. She really is. And you know what? She kind of uh, proves the good doctor's theory. She is fiery. She's a spunky girl. She definitely is. Okay, so redheads are going to be around for a while, they including are. Candace, I imagine. Yes, um, thankfully. Yes, and uh, they, they are, as, as we said, my very shaky um, thesis for this podcast, uh, much maligned. I've got another uh, piece of supporting evidence that redheads are often mistreated. Yes, I know where you're going here. Do you? Yeah. Okay, so you want to tell them about this? This study? Yeah, it turns out that, uh, and this is a cool little fact that you can share with your friends and uh, family, redheads actually require more anesthetic when uh, undergoing surgery. Yeah, and apparently the, the medical establishment, especially among anesthesiologists and anesthetists, uh, they, this is common knowledge. Right. But there hadn't been a, an actual study Correct. quantifying this before right. uh, 2002. Right. And these University of Louisville researchers conducted this kind of um, 
Cruel? Ar- ar- cruel? <laughs> a little archaic, maybe? Yeah, when I read this, I thought there's got to be a better way to find this out, but, you know, maybe there's not. Yeah, so what we're talking about was um, this this Louisville study. They, they took 20 female subjects, uh-huh. um, 10 brunettes, I believe, 10 redheads. Yes. All of them were on uh, virtually the same menstrual cycle, which uh, ruled out any hormonal explanation for, right. for this, because apparently um, hormones can contribute to your susceptibility uh, or rejection of anesthesia. Correct. And um, they gave them all the gas. Right. They gave them, what is it, desflurane? Desflurane. Um, which is a general anesthetic gas. Right. <laughs> and they, they knocked these women out. Yeah. And then they got medieval on their asses. Uh-huh. They used, I looked at, I looked this up, they used uh, bilateral intradermal needles to deliver the electric shock. So basically, they were poking these women with needles right. and then delivering shocks. Electric shocks into their body to see if they would react and feel pain. Yeah, because when you're when you're unconscious, it's much different from, from sleeping. When you're unconscious, your pain gateway is shut down. Which is why they do it for surgery. You don't want someone digging into your uh, chest cavity and uh, right. be able to feel it. Right, and it's, 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 it's a different state. And actually, scary enough, we don't fully understand how... Uh, anesthesia works on the brain. We don't yeah. know enough about the brain. It's kind of we a scary just kind of know it works. You yeah. know, we figured out, I guess, through trial and error, yeah. patients dying left and right, what the what the right ratio is for the average person. Right? Yeah, it's a tough job. Very. Oh, it's yeah. They much, also uh, have the highest insurance premium. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yep. and they also make some pretty good coin. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're uh, thinking of trying to get into the medical field and you want to make a bunch of money. Go anesthesia. Right. And yeah. gas those redheads. Exactly. So, okay, let's get back to this. Right. So they're, they're sitting there um, delivering shocks to these redheads and actually brunettes. Everyone in the um, in the study was treated equally cruelly. Right. <laughs> and um, they're, they're delivering shocks, and, and, and they, they would decrease the gas or increase the gas, depending on the reaction, mm-hmm. until they stopped getting pain reactions. Right. So uh, then the other really kind of startling aspect of the study was that one of the researchers described the shocks as um, intolerable to a conscious person. Right. So these weren't like little like, ooh, I just licked a 9-volt battery. Right. These were electric shocks that you would be like, you know, you'd come at somebody who did this to you if yeah. you could move. So they, they just keep shocking them over and over again. And then they wrote down, you know, the ratios. And they came up with, as you said, Redheads need 20% more 20, On average, 20, 20%, yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty substantial. It is substantial, it, but, I mean, what's 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 the deal? Why? Well, before we move on to that, just quickly, I wanted to point out that a, another study a couple of years later um, said that the same thing happened in men. So yeah. if you're a man out there, you're going to need some extra gas. Uh, it's not just uh, for women. But because we don't know exactly how anesthesia works, we don't know exactly why this is true. Yeah. We, they've just finally linked it. Right. They, they said there is a link, but we're not exactly why that link is there. Well, which is the MC1R gene, which right. is what we were talking about earlier. That, 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 that genotype has been linked directly to anesthesia for the first time. Exactly. So why? What, what are some of the, uh, some of the reasons they've, they've given? Well, yeah, they don't know for sure, but um, they have one explanation that um, that gene is also involved in hormones that stimulate pain receptors. Yeah, which would, would be, make sense. It would make sense. Kind of the obvious route, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there, uh, I believe they had another one that said that the pigments themselves actually cause an increase in pain sensitivity. Yeah, the, I think that was the one where they said uh, there's a, there's it's such a, an abundance of this pigment right. 
things like to go bind to other things in our body, uh-huh. and um, they're they're looking for something. Maybe the pain receptors in the brain are um, are similar to the to the pain right. receptors that these pigments would normally attach to. Right. So it overstimulates the brain. Yeah, uh, it makes them more sensitive to pain. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, if you're a redhead, I feel bad for you. I don't. I don't, I don't like pain. Yeah, but being redhead's kind of cool. It's like being left-handed. I wish I was a left-handed redhead. Wow. Instead, I'm just a, a right-handed brunette. I know. We're just kind of average guys, aren't average, we? Average dudes. There there actually is one other good thing that came out of this, this study. Um, it may actually spur um, development of um, a, a kind of anesthesia that's tailored just for redheads. Interesting. That's called pharmacogenetics. You heard of this? Uh, yeah. So, okay, so it's basically designing drugs to... Uh, More tailor-made. Tailoring them to somebody based on their genetic makeup. Right. That makes sense. It does make sense. Seems it like it would be safer. Sense. It definitely falls into that controversy about genetic testing, though, doesn't it, you know? Yeah, true. So it's kind of a fine line, like keep redheads out of pain right. or, you know, choose only blonde-haired, blue-eyed children in the future. Right. The boys from Brazil, eventually. Weird stuff. You know what I would call that if they actually do manufacture this? What? I'd call it red gas. Nice. That's what I'd call it. Nice. Yeah, you couldn't call it Red Death. It'd be, yeah. You'd have a terrible market share, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably Red so. Gas is pretty good. Though. Yeah. Nice one, Chuck. Well, look for Red Gas in the future. Um, and if you want to know more about redheads and anesthesia, extinction, that kind of stuff, you can type those words in in any kind of clever combination in our handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And don't go anywhere because Chuck's got something for you. I think it's called Listener Mail. Listener Mail Time. So yeah, Josh, uh, we're back here mere seconds later, and um, I have an exceptional listener mail here. This is what I've titled it, and I, have, I keep a little folder of exceptional mail. And I've been holding on to this one for a while, and you might remember this, uh, from our buddy Greg Storkin, who uh, wrote us a top ten. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, yeah. Wow. This is one of our I first love mails. this guy. So this, I'm gonna was, give, this was titillating and arousing. <laughs> it was. I'm going to give Greg his due. I'm not going to read all ten, but he basically wrote a top ten reasons why he's obsessed with stuff you should know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go over a few of my favorites. Uh, you purposely leave early for work and then take side streets along the way simply to have more time to listen to your new episode. Nice. So this guy's furthering his commute. Yeah. Uh, you hum the jazzy theme song as you go about your day, which I do as well. Uh-huh. Uh, you have more fun learning from Josh and Chuck than you did from your super hot organic chemistry professor. Which is awesome. It is. Uh, a little piece of you dies when you hear the theme music fade back in, signaling the end of the episode. It's very sad. And his number one reason was you have a full-fledged man crush on Josh and Chuck. Man crush. And we bring this up because uh, we've had, oddly, quite a few men write us and say they have man crushes. I know. We're super us. hot organic chemistry teachers. It's just weird. But the man crush phenomenon is, is a real thing. I know you have quite a few. Bromance. Yeah. I know uh, actor John Leguizamo. You're very hot for him. I, I don't like to talk about it. I yeah. hope one day that I will meet John Leguizamo. I'm not really holding out hope. I don't want to touch him or anything. It's more just like being next to him. You know what I'm saying? And have him like punch me in the shoulder and be like, hey, Josh, how's it going? I think that's what a man crush is. It really means is what you want to do is you want to go out and like have a beer with us. Like I have a tremendous man crush on George Clooney. 
Yeah. Because I want to go hang out with George Clooney and talk sure. about basketball and drink a beer, you know. You know, it, it's underrated these days, but there is such thing as platonic love. Yeah. If he kissed me, I wouldn't. Uh, That's not platonic. Yeah, but I wouldn't. It's George Clooney. It would be a good story. <laughs> it depends on how forceful the kiss was, right? True. Okay. And how shaven he was. <laughs> well, if you want to tell Chuck or I about your recent romance or who you have a man crush on or you want to send us a top ten list. And by the way, Greg, uh, you can expect a t-shirt for that top 10 list, buddy. T-shirt worthy. Definitely. Send us your size and your mailing address uh, to the email address you're about to give. Actually, you've already got it, so just send it again, will you? And if you want to send us one for the first time, you're not quite certain who to address it to, what email address you need to ship it off to, you want to send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?